0: European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 37, Issue 48, Focus Issue on Prevention, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Updates on Prevention, Obesity, Azetamib, PCSK9, and HIV Infection The biggest challenge in current cardiovascular prevention is the obesity epidemic worldwide deleterious effects of being overweight on the cardiovascular system are well established. However, recent findings lead to the concepts of metabolically healthy obesity, the obesity paradox, and even to protective or detrimental subcutaneous fat. Thus, a lively debate on the disparate effects of obesity on health outcomes has occurred recently. In their review, Obesity and Cardiovascular Disease, Friend or Foe, Kwang Kei Ko and colleagues from the Gachon Medical School in Incheon, South Korea, discussed the complex and disparate effects of obesity on cardiovascular risk and whether and under which circumstances it could be harmful, harmless, neutral, or even protective. Indeed, emerging evidence supports the importance of cardiorespiratory fitness, skeletal muscle mass, and strength that modulate or even change cardiovascular risk in patients with obesity. Specifically, they remind us that the most commonly used anthropometric index to define obesity, the body mass index, is at the core of the current controversy because of its limitations, including its inability to discriminate between fat mass and muscle mass. Indeed, many recent epidemiological and metabolic studies have used other indices, such as waist-hip ratio, waist circumference, or even imaging of visceral adiposity and of ectopic fat deposits by computed tomography or magnetic resonance. Lastly, it must be considered that the concept of metabolically healthy obesity by labelling a subset of obese individuals as without risk may lead physicians to underestimate the current obesity epidemic and reduce their efforts in preventing the next generation from becoming obese another controversial issue in prevention is the role of sexual hormones of note testosterone levels decrease with age a condition referred to as low t manopause or hypogonadism and may affect outcome in a second clinical review Testosterone, a hormone-preventing cardiovascular disease, or a therapy-increasing cardiovascular events. François Mach and colleagues from the Foundation for Medical Research in Geneva, Switzerland, note that observational studies suggest an association between low endogenous testosterone levels and a high-risk cardiometabolic profile, i.e. increased blood pressure, dyslipidemia, insulin resistance, atherosclerosis, and thrombosis, as well as a modest increase in total and cardiovascular mortality. Whether or not it would be useful to screen for low T in older men and eventually to consider testosterone replacement therapy, however, remains controversial. Indeed, there are no data showing that normalization of testosterone levels would reduce cardiovascular events in this patient population. Although testosterone replacement therapy seems to have beneficial effects on male quality of life or physical condition, other findings suggest that it may be associated with serious adverse effects such as cardiovascular events. In addition, there is a lack of consensus on the threshold for treatment indication in men with nonspecific symptoms or borderline levels of testosterone. As such, well-designed, adequately-powered, randomized controlled trials are urgently needed to assess the impact of testosterone replacement therapy on cardiovascular outcomes within age-specific ranges to provide reliable evidence for future clinical practice guidelines in contrast the role of ldl cholesterol as a risk marker and therapeutic target is well established in cardiovascular prevention While the US guidelines recommend a risk-adjusted dose regimen, European guidelines strongly support risk-adjusted target levels of low-density lipoprotein, LDL, cholesterol. With novel evidence on the effects of inhibitors of the Niemann-Peak transporter and PCSK9 inhibition, target values have again emerged as an important guidance to the management of lipid disorders. In a fast-track paper entitled The Benefit of Adding Azetamib to Statin Therapy in Patients with Prior Coronary Artery Bypass Graft Surgery and Acute Coronary Syndrome in the IMPROVE-IT Trial, Eugene Braunwald, on behalf of the IMPROVE-IT Improved Reduction of Outcomes Vitarin Efficacy International Trial investigators, examined the efficacy and safety of azetamib on top of statin therapy in patients with prior coronary artery bypass surgery following hospitalisation for an acute coronary syndrome. In Improve It, 18,134 patients with an LDL cholesterol of 93.8 mg per deciliter and a history of an acute coronary syndrome at presentation were randomised to simvastatin slash azetamib or simvastatin slash placebo or 9.3%, had a prior coronary artery bypass graft surgery. During six years of follow-up, time-weighted LDL cholesterol was 55 mg per deciliter with simvastatin slash and 69.9 mg per deciliter with simvastatin slash placebo. The rate of the primary endpoint was 56% in patients with and 32% in those without prior coronary artery bypass graft surgery. Patients with prior coronary artery bypass graft surgery receiving simvastatin slash had an 8.8% lower absolute risk over simvastatin placebo in the primary endpoint, whereas those without prior coronary artery bypass graft surgery had a 1.3% lower absolute risk there was no between-group significant differences in safety endpoints. Thus, the clinical benefit of adding ezetimib to statin appears to be enhanced in patients with prior coronary artery bypass graft surgery supporting the use of intensive lipid-lowering therapy in these high-risk patients following acute coronary syndrome. This work is put into further perspective in an editorial by Daniel J. Rader, from the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, USA. Whether we have reached optimal LDL cholesterol levels with the help of statins and azetamib remains a crucial question. Is the lower the better the right approach, or have we reached levels beyond which no additional benefit can be achieved? The development of PCSK9 inhibitors put this controversy at centre stage. Most recent evidence suggests that regression of atherosclerotic plaques can only be achieved at much lower levels than currently recommended. This is especially important in patients with familial hypercholesterolemia. In another ESC fast track, alirocumab in patients with heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia undergoing lipoprotein aphoresis, the ODYSSEY ESCAPE trial, Patrick Maurice Moriarty and colleagues from the University of Kansas Medical Center in Kansas City, USA, evaluated the effect of the PCSK9 inhibitor alirocumab on the frequency of standard aphoresis treatments performed weekly or biweekly in heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia. Odyssey Escape was a double-blind study in 62 patients with heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia undergoing lipoprotein aphoresis who were randomly assigned to receive alirocumab 150mg or placebo subcutaneously biweekly for 18 weeks. The primary efficacy endpoint was the rate of aphoresis treatments over 12 weeks, standardized to number of planned treatments. With alirocumab, the reduction in pre-aphoresis low-density lipoprotein cholesterol from baseline at week 6 was 53.7%, but only 1.6% with placebo. Alirocumab-treated patients had a 75% additional reduction in the standardised rate of aphoresis treatments compared to placebo. During this period, 63.4% of patients on alirocumab avoided all and 92.7% avoided at least half of the aphoresis treatments. Adverse event rates were similar, Thus, lipoprotein aphoresis was discontinued in 63% of patients on alirocumab who were previously undergoing regular aphoresis and the rate was at least halved in 93% of patients. These findings are put into context in a thoughtful editorial by Gerald F. Watts from the University of Western Australia in Perth, Australia. An especially high-risk group of patients are those who are HIV-positive. In a meta-analysis, Comparative Safety and Efficacy of Statins for Primary Prevention in HIV-Positive Patients, A Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis, Sebastiano Gili and colleagues from the University of Turin in Italy remind us that the efficacy and safety of different statins for HIV-positive patients in the primary prevention setting remain to be established. To clarify this issue, 18 studies with 736 HIV-positive patients receiving combination antiretroviral therapy and treated with statins in the primary prevention setting were analysed. Resuvastatin, 10 mg, and atorvastatin, 10 mg, provided the largest reduction in total cholesterol levels with a mean of 1.67 mmol per litre and 1.44 millimoles per litre, respectively. Atorvastatin 80 mg and simvastatin 20 mg provided the largest reduction in LDL cholesterol of 2.1 millimoles per litre and 1.6 millimoles per litre, respectively, while pravastatin 10-20 mg and atorvastatin 10 mg had the largest increase in high-density lipoprotein of 0.24 millimoles per liter and 0.15 millimoles per liter respectively on the other hand atorvastatin 80 mg and simvastatin 20 mg had the largest reduction in triglycerides of 0.6 millimoles per liter meta regression revealed that nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors sparing regimens were associated with reduced efficacy for the ability of statins to lower total cholesterol The authors conclude that statin therapy lowers plasma total cholesterol and LDL cholesterol levels, also in HIV positive patients with low rates of adverse events. Statins are effective and safe when dose adjusted for drug drug interactions with combination antiretroviral therapy. HIV infection may alter childhood vascular properties. And influence future cardiovascular risk. Whether vascular changes are associated with HIV infection per se or antiretroviral treatment is unknown. In a final clinical research article entitled "Effects of Pediatric HIV Infection on Childhood Vasculature," Nickmar Salamia Idris and colleagues from the University Medical Center Utrecht in the Netherlands investigated the effects of antiretroviral-naive or antiretroviral-exposed HIV infection in children on childhood vascular characteristics. They used vascular ultrasound to measure carotid intima media thickness, distensibility, and elastic modulus on 114 children with vertically acquired HIV infection and 51 healthy children in Jakarta, Indonesia. Adjusted for confounding factors, antiretroviral-naive HIV-infected children had thicker carotid intima media thickness. Children exposed to antiretroviral drugs had similar carotid intima media thickness as healthy children. Distensibility was not different between HIV-infected, either antiretroviral-naive or exposed, and healthy children, but adjusted analysis, including only antiretroviral-exposed children with controlled HIV, showed that the antiretroviral-exposed had an increased elastic modulus. The authors conclude that antiretroviral-naive HIV infection in children is associated with increased carotid intima media thickness. Children with antiretroviral-controlled HIV may have increased arterial stiffness although further confirmation in large controlled trials is required. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.